Hi, my name is A.D. Silverstein, and I'd like to welcome you to the first episode of the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. This episode will feature Beck Plexus, and you are listening to Pathological by her band, Jerboa. It's that it's all around you. Is it the main or is it language? It could be all. It could be either. All you can say is that it's all around you. In 2014, I left the U.S. for six months to study composition at the Amsterdam Conservatory. I had never been to the Netherlands before and was a little nervous. Luckily, my nerves were assuaged after meeting Beck on my first day. She was this tall, vivacious Dutch girl who was warm and welcoming. As it turned out, she was also a great composer who composed avant-garde classical music and cutesy pop songs. I remember being amused by this contradiction, but at the same time respecting the fact that she was humble and unpretentious. The funny thing is, there was nothing about her back then that I would have associated with rock music. So you can imagine my surprise a couple years later, when I noticed that Beck had started a new rock band called Jerboa. I remember going to their Facebook page for the first time and seeing a link to a song called Pathological. I listened through and remember just thinking, holy shit. So when I was at the conservatory, I had this perception of you being an avant-garde composer on the one hand, and then a pop musician on the other. So how did you get from there to being a rock musician? I I actually only started really writing music a year before I got into the conservatory, and was very much uh, a very, very, or I guess I still am, just a very neat, decent girl. And I wanted to, especially in the first year, be very also cute and sweet and appropriate and um so the songs that i wrote were also definitely fitting that picture and then through the years i just kind of more and more kind of started exploring this urge of being much more expressive and uh, explosive and weird sometimes and dark and um and that just felt very obvious then to kind of move away from uh the kind of theatrical or sweet pop songs and just go and uh, go down the path of rock and, and prog rock and whatever we're playing. So other than Beck on lead vocals, Jerboa consists of Sarah Jeffrey on recorders and voice, Josephine Boda on recorders and voice, Dodo Kees on Iwi recorders and voice, Jornt Duh on guitar and voice, and Marcos Baggiani on drums. So Beck, how did the band meet? Actually, Jerboa first was uh, called Leonhardt, and um, I started that with Matilda. Came, do you know her, or do you remember her? Maybe still? yeah, I remember she was a friend of yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She also studied composition, and um, uh, we started writing songs and were a duo, and then had all sorts of forms um, with different people, and then at some point. She left, actually, or she she didn't want to continue the project. And then um, 
that's actually where kind of slowly Jerboa started uh, to appear. I guess the weirdest thing of Jerboa instrumentation-wise is the recorders. And that actually all derives from one song. And it's a lullaby sang for a person in a forest. Um, very fairy tale and it's just kind of saying like oh, dear dear uh, or kind of sweetheart if you want to sleep just lie down in the moss and close your eyes and everything will be fine uh, and the moon will watch over you I thought that the recorders were the perfect fit to um, play this, that song with a bigger group but then on the other hand we also wanted it to be a rock band and need the, need just simply needed guitar and uh, drums and bass because all three of them are just a power trio so that wasn't necessary we all assumed and Jorn't actually I came up with the idea to invite him I, I saw him two years before we invited him I saw him play at the festival and I just uh, was really impressed by what he played and then two years down the road I thought oh there was this amazing multi instrumentalist what's what's his name so I just started googling the uh, the festival name and multi-instrumentalist and luckily found him uh, and then also he wanted to join so that was that was very random actually and then Marcos was a good friend of Jose and Dodo collaborated already with Sarah and Jose for years so that was also a very organic fit So I know the guitarist in your band, Jorn, wrote Pathological, but I was wondering if you could tell me what the song is about and what role you played in bringing it to life. I won't say too much about it because I'm afraid that I <laughs> maybe I'm just giving my own interpretation, but it's kind of, Jorn wrote this, yeah, pretty critical reflection on everyday life and later in the song it's um is it the buildings or just the genitals like these massive towers in cities are those simply art art architectural um creations or are we actually just looking at massive dicks (laughs) just kind of um yeah kind of just these is this just the act of architecture or is it the act of egos that just want to show themselves and um, yeah, it's just this continuous questioning what we see around us. And yeah, Jorn wrote an entire score actually for this with um, all the vocal parts actually already written and uh, the different recorder parts in it. And not so much actually develop, developed in this song uh, through the process because Jorn already had such a clear idea of what he wanted. Another song by Jerboa, which I absolutely love, is called Guest House. So, Beck, what's that song about and how did you write it? Well, I'm really interested in other people's texts. So, this text is um, written by Rumi originally and then translated by Coleman Barks. And a friend of mine just showed it to me. She gave she gave this book and said, here, this is kind of holy almost, these texts of Rumi, and just look into it and see what you find. And um, 
this text, I just found such a beautiful metaphor. It's it's about um, yeah, this be- this being human is a guest house. It, the first sentence is, and it just describes how experiences uh, and impressions and ideas pass by in your being every day, and every day you have to just treat them very well and as a true host. And you'll see in the end what that brings you. Um, because maybe it will bring you something really valuable um, or worthwhile. And it just felt very um, powerful. So in a nutshell, kind of, I, I, I then found a melody to it. So just behind the piano, just trying to figure out how it would work, how it would click. And um, I made a lead sheet. So I came up with that and then I brought the lead sheet to the band and then... Uh, as with every song happens, we kind of color it. So everyone starts uh, filling in their own parts and slowly the lead sheet of one person turns into this composition of the whole group. And through the years also, it just keeps on developing. And then there's the recording process where we, again, just find so many new ideas. Actually, the whole choir bit in the end, um, mm-hmm. at, at some point there's this... Yeah, that's my favorite part, actually. Oh, cool. Uh, well, that only happened when I was at home recording my vocals for the for the EP, for the release. So we had already been playing the song for two years then. And only then I thought, ah, we could use some vocals. Uh, and now we also do it live and uh, Sarah and I sing it together. So it's just, we also try to be very flexible and just keep on developing the songs. So one of the things that the internet has done is make music more visual. What effect do you think that has had on musicians and the music industry? Well, I recently spoke with a band who got this uh, social media advice. And the person they spoke with said, you uh, should really focus on Instagram. And um, and then I also thought, like, okay, indeed, like, what does that mean for someone who is in music? Um because especially on Instagram and actually more and more in general, there's this tendency to um, that, that everyone is moving to platforms that are more and more and more visually focused and speed focused. So I think it's pretty tough for it's a tough not to crack as a musician because on Instagram, what does that mean then? Yeah. What what should we share there? Uh, I was then when I was talking with that uh pop band and that it got that got this social media advice i was also like okay so are you now gonna write one minute songs uh so you can release them on instagram because instagram you have a maximum of uh one minute videos well you know you know what's really what's really interesting is that when i talk to people um from let's say my parents generation people who grew up in you know the 1950s or the 1960s and i ask them how did you first you know he, you know, find, let's say, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones or even jazz musicians like Charlie Parker or Ella Fitzgerald. You know, it's like a lot of people first came across these musicians on the radio. And it's like, you know, sort of like what you were saying. So they, they had no idea what these people looked like. Um, and then, you know, if they saw what eventually maybe they saw them in concert um, and, you know, re- re- you know, realized they weren't necessarily 
unbelievably attractive, it didn't matter because they already liked their music. You know what I mean? It was like what they looked like and the visuals were sort of secondary to what got them into it in the first place. And I just wonder if um, it's sort of the opposite now. I think, yeah, like it's totally a, a thing that right now who you show yourself to be on online, like your, your persona uh, is very important. On the other hand, I think with all the rock stars back in the days also, like we're talking about in, in the pop and rock, we're talking about idols here. And it's always been also about the story around that person. I, I guess it's always been a part of it. I think the difference right now is that now we have social media, everyone can have their own platforms and is expected to nurture those platforms and suddenly be specialized in a whole other thing that they're not so skilled at. So like everyone who's in music now or wants to um, make it in the music just needs to have like a booming Instagram page. And, and that's just, yeah, it feels a little bit unfair or at least really ch challenging. Um, yeah. I also just try to keep faith a little bit in the fact that there are people who actually are doing social media as a job uh, for, for a living. And as long as your music is really good and you try to do as much as you can um, on the communication side of things, there might be that label that can help you with social media. Because in the end, yeah, I think also the bigger stars, it's not like that they are doing their all their social media themselves. like. It's like entire machines that are doing that. So, Beck, do you feel like there is a double standard in the music industry for men and women? And if so, how has that manifested itself in your life? Um, just in a general, like, I had this just having a, a, a special dress at a gig and then guys will walk up to me I had this weird weird experience where there was this guy who just was like uh, in Germany like can I make a photo of your dress because it's so beautifully black and white and then um, I, I said no and then he said ah oh, please please can I do it and then oh, okay fine I will I'll make your photo and then he's like so could you turn around I would like to see your butt it's like dude what the fuck so but these things yeah okay probably if I was a guy that wouldn't have happened but I guess your question is a bit more in a bigger sense like the opportunity wise or something it might be a thing but I don't wanna I don't wanna engage with that idea too much in the sense of um so I'm also active as a composer and I don't want to consider the idea that I might get less commissions or something because I'm female. Um, I think in the end, well, I just will have, I, I just want to have faith in the fact that if I write good stuff, people will ask me for, for more good stuff. And that's why people will work with me. If I don't get asked for more commissions, it's not because I'm a woman. It's just because I haven't written good stuff, probably. A colleague of mine actually um, ha had also an interesting standpoint in this case, and she said um, that she had decided to never take part in uh, projects or programs anymore in which, uh, which were presented, like, for instance, um, all-female composers concert. 
she didn't want to she didn't want to participate in these all female uh, things because then she was like why why then still should I be a female composer why can't you just book me being the composer I am and forget about the whole fact that I'm female and I yeah so I just don't want to focus on the fact that I'm a female composer and I just want to be a good composer In that spirit, there is another quote by Rumi that I would like to share with you, and it goes something like this. I am not this hair. I am not this skin. I am the soul that lives within. Music can be a window into the soul of a musician, but in order to see it, you have to close your eyes and listen. Next time on the Impresario Rock and Roll Radio Show. I genuinely think that I have a role to play trying to challenge and push people's ideas and get them to think about new things. Whilst they dance. Whilst dancing. (laughs) Tune in for an exclusive interview with the British band The Moulettes.